This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hey, welcome to the Reading Teachers Lounge. We're starting season three today. We're really excited to be recording with you. For you. <laughs> with you, yes. With you, for Everybody's you. here in the lounge with us. You know that we keep it casual here. My name is Mary Sagafi, um, and I am a reading teacher. I have special education um, certification, and I teach Orton-Gillingham tutoring. Um, I also am working as a dyslexia advocate. And I live in the Atlanta area with my neighbor here, Shannon. And my name is Shannon Betts. I've been teaching since 2002. I've been a classroom teacher and a reading specialist. This year, I actually am a guidance counselor and a reading specialist at a private school. Go back in season two if you want to learn about um, the interesting turn my career has taken. I live in the Atlanta area, and um, I have two boys, and Mary has two girls. Yeah, um, we're in the thick of um, the pandemic right now. We're recording and it's the end of September. We are um, just living kind of in these wild times where we, um, I feel like our our future is a bit unpredictable and um, our past has just been a little bit of an upheaval <laughs> in the recent couple months um, with uh, being at home and now we're teaching virtually and sometimes in person and, some and definitely always wearing a mask. Um, but then we have a lot of international listeners, you know, and so I know some of you are back in school and some of you are not. And so um, we're not going to make any grand plans of all the different episodes we're going to record like we did with season two because, you know, life happened and <laughs> season two changed mid-season. So we are going to kind of uh, be a little bit more adaptive for season three and kind of record episodes as we see um, topics that teachers are going to need or requesting and that we feel passionate about sharing. We want to hear from a lot of you about what you guys need. And so please um, email us at readingteacherslounge at gmail.com or reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. We're pretty responsive, too, and we really love to hear from our listeners. So if you just have a burning question about something we chat about or if there's a little bit of a topic that you would like to um, ask more about, we really love and encourage people to reach out to us. Um, our platform here is supposed to be like a teacher's lounge where you come in and you can sit and talk about topics that are related to teaching, and we try to... Um, keep it casual, but also provide some professional development so that you can just implement it the next day. So we like um, to let people just eavesdrop on our reading conversations because we love talking about reading. We can talk all day, every day. And we've had a lot of listeners join us um, in the last few seasons uh, over the break. And so welcome to the new listeners and also um, welcome back to those of, us, those of you who have been with us since season one um, or join us in season two and are continuing to tune in we really appreciate it and we have parents as well as teachers that listen and so we also um, want to keep the jargon to a minimum and we'll try to explain the jargon when it does come out um, because we want parents especially now that a lot of parents are experiencing 
home learning. Um, everybody's a reading teacher these days. Yeah, exactly. And and we know that it's kind of a tricky topic, but um, we're happy to help everybody navigate it just as we're navigating it ourselves too. And so today's episode is titled um, Books as Mirrors, Windows, and Doors. And this is an episode that we actually thought about last spring when um, all the young, well, I'm going to say that the unfortunate murders continue to happen with the police brutality, but they, um, this is not a new problem. It's just become more prevalent in the media where uh, more people are talking about it. And so when um, George Floyd was murdered and some of um, the other victims of violence um, was televised and shown, and then um, all the riots and protests that were happening and things like that, um, bringing this topic to the forefront Mary and I started talking about um, the topic in terms of children's literature and how our own students feel in terms of reading, uh, because we've both taught a very diverse student body and also with diverse student, uh, teacher faculties. And we want to talk about our own part. I mean, we are both white. We're not going to pretend we're not. Correct. <laughs> and we also um, accept and acknowledge that we um, are coming to you from a place of privilege. And even this platform is a privilege that we have. Um, and we think that uh, our voice can hopefully be um, used to create some sense of um, questioning for people who are in similar places like us. We want to be able to open doors and windows um, and also reflect on ourselves, just like um, we feel that books can do for students. But we feel like this is the time to really make sure that we're using our platform to take a stand and celebrate diversity, to celebrate um, equality, equity, and make sure that we are um, being as inclusive as possible. And I think that um, it's, it, uh, my position as a special education teacher has taken up, has, in special education in the United States and across the world, there are twists and turns, and racism and um, lack of inclusion has definitely been spotlighted in the special education sector. And I think that um, this is our opportunity now to really embrace all the children in our class and make sure that we are including everyone and making them feel welcome and safe. Because once you feel safe in a classroom, then you um, unlock the ability to learn. Yes, and representation really matters. And I've been examining my white privilege pretty much my whole career, but I honestly didn't take a leap forward in examining my own class library until just a few years ago, so I'm going to share that story in a second. Um, but, and then also, there's further I have to do with even in my own home library with my own children, and so I'll talk about that as well. And then we want to use this time we really, 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 we're going to remind you at the end, but uh, check out our show notes because we we want to amplify the teachers that are doing the work about this, the Tutu Teacher, Apron for Education. Um, we need diverse books. There are a lot of um, educators in the field that are researching excellent quality titles, sharing those on their platforms, and giving ideas about how to make them a part of your own students' reading. And so um, we're just going to share what they're doing, basically, and what yeah. we've learned from them. And that's mostly how we kind of operate in 
um, in our podcast that's how we share. Another one that I love happens to be um, Play Again Reads, and she provides a lot of um, uh, books for kids um, who are much younger, so early literacy education, so I really appreciate her too. So we'll, we'll definitely put them um, on our webpage, so make sure that after you finish listening today, make sure you come back to our show notes and click on some of the links or check out our website. Yeah, and we'll also, um, as this episode's airing, we're going to be sharing on our social media, especially Instagram, um, highlighting yeah. all the people that are doing the work. So why don't you explain to the listeners like what this concept means of a book could be a mirror, a window, or a door. Sure. So um, I think that one of the, the in, in 1990, uh, a way that Rudine Sims Bishop really wrote about windows and doors, and she wasn't the first person to talk about it, but she said, um, books are sometimes windows offering views of worlds that may be real or imagined, familiar or strange. These windows are also sliding glass doors, and readers only have to walk through in imagination to become part of whatever the world has been created and recreated by the author. When lighting conditions are just right, however, a window can be a mirror. Literature transforms human experiences and reflects it back to us, and in that reflection, we can see our own lives and experiences as part of a larger human experience. Reading then becomes a means of self-affirmation and readers often seek their mirrors in books. So that's what we're talking about. We want to provide some books so that our students can embrace literature in a new way and utilize it as a mirror so that they can um, have self-affirmation in who they are and what their values are and what their culture is. Um, and, and part of that might be the cultural experience. And early on, I feel like it often is. Um, it's, it's their culture reflected back to them so that they can first examine it, maybe even for the first time. And I took that for granted. I really did. I mean, we've talked since episode one about how passionate we are about books and that we've been lifelong readers and that we've loved escaping in books. And I thought I was sort of a unique kind of quirky child. Um, Mm -hmm. But I found protagonists that were like me, freckled, unique bookworms like Anna Green Gables or Rebecca Sunny Book Farm. I saw myself in books, and I didn't realize, um, because of my own privilege, that that's not the case for everyone. And so, um, can I share my, my story? Please okay. do. So, uh, this was just a few years ago, I think maybe two or three years ago, and I was teaching second grade uh, when this really came to light for me. And I thought I was kind of a woke teacher, but I wasn't. You know, every time you feel back, yeah, every time you feel back the layers of privilege, there's just it's like an onion and there's more. more. So um, I ended up going to the public library in February to check out some books, like that I had on hold. And the Atlanta Library had on the top of the shelves all these African-American titles because it was Black History Month, and also African titles, okay? And they were beautiful books, and they were all, like, on top of the shelves, you know, just kind of half open, you know? And I just, I'd, like, I was walking through the library, and I grabbed, like, ten books. I'm like, these are beautiful, and my students are going to love them. And in particular, I had one student who had just come to our school as a refugee, and she only spoke Swahili. She didn't speak a word of English. She had been in our classroom um, since end of December, mm -hmm. and she was a very 
well-behaved student, but she was just basically miming what everybody did in the class. She was just following along, mimicking what we were doing, but she wasn't really engaged, you know, and I was struggling with how to connect with her. Sure. Because she didn't speak a word of English. And so I brought, I got all those books from the library, and I uh, picked some of the African ones out, and I um, put them on her desk so that she would see them in morning work when she walked in the door. And she got to class and she sat down at the desk and she started flipping through these pictures and she was just going so slowly and looking through them and looking through them and just like lovingly turning each page really slowly and examining it. And um, I watched her do that and that kind of walked over about 10 or 15 minutes later. And she smiled at me and she pointed at one of the pictures and she said one word in English. She said, home. And I still get tears in my eyes when I tell the story and think about it because I realized that I had not provided her books where she could see home. I mean, she'd been in my classroom for two months and had not seen home. And in one word, she conveyed so much because she was so proud to see herself in that book and to see something that was familiar and that she missed. And she finally felt like she had a piece of home in our classroom. And I realized at that moment that I had taken for granted that I always saw my home in my own books. And I saw myself in books and that that was not always the case for my students. And so that week I wrote a, um, a grant for diverse books and donors choose that luckily was fully funded very quickly. If you ever want a grant that's fully funded, do a diverse book one yeah. and donors choose. And I had refugee students from Nepal, from Burma, from Afghanistan, from Iran, from the Congo. Um, I had Spanish-speaking students, I had African-American students. So I just went through sort of my whole classroom and found all their different representation needs and got titles, you know, for them. They were all available on Amazon. And the day those books arrived, I mean, it was this massive, like, Amazon box that was, like, the size of that. And we, we just stopped Reader's Workshop and, like, opened the box, you know, like it was Christmas. And um, I put those in the library, and the kids read them. And they, from then on, that was the most popular collection of books. And we called them Like Me titles. And that was the most popular box in my class, um, even in subsequent years. And so that's always priority number one for me, no matter where I'm teaching now or what students I'm working with is, are they represented uh, in my class library? Uh, however, I realize that I can still move further, you know, because we're continuing this conversation and when Mary and I were talking about this, um, doing an episode about this, I realized, I said, well, Mary, you know what? In my own home library for my children, my own children, it's all mirrors, and I don't have any window books. Right. You know, and so I realized I need more representation um, of different cultures for my own children yeah. to read. And so, like, I found this really great book called Jabari Jumps, and it's about um, a little African American boy who's scared of a diving board, just like my son is scared of the diving board, and then he learns to be brave and jump off the diving board. And it's just very subtle things like that where we need to look at what books we have and are we giving our own children and our students all the different opportunities for books. Are we giving them, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, okay, that's gonna be a door. That's gonna be a sliding door into a new world. But are we giving them mirror books, window books, door books, a collection and a variety of those to make sure that they see their own voice, that they have representation? 
I, I think that this is such a powerful lesson. It's not often that I'm kind of speechless, but your story makes me feel so speechless because, huh, wow. So I do agree that that story in your classroom is just, it, it's just what happens. And if you don't acknowledge it and you don't have an experience or you don't actually hear about an experience like that, then you might not be able to acknowledge it. You know, teachers have a lot on their plate, but this is something that should really be a non-negotiable. Um, and I think that also comes to mind, too, that I have always said that great librarians are invaluable. And people who know books well and can make recommendations are some of my favorite people ever. Yes, in our show notes, I'm going to link to somebody, The Atlantic, the magazine. They just did a whole education series, and they linked to an amazing librarian oh. who does Camp Readathon and all these things, and she recommends lots of great books, too. See, I, I just think that that's such an invaluable source, too, because sometimes you're like, oh, I want to do that, but I don't even know how to get started, or what books should I even get, and being able to kind of channel your resources towards that way, or if you have a parent who's says, I really want to do something for you. What can I do? Stick them on a project like this. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is something that um, I think would be a great way to do it. There's um, this quote that I really love as well, and this is um, from an interview um, on Education Talk Radio. And he says, um, his name is Ezra Highland. He says, humans don't make our stories. It's stories that make us human. And he's paraphrasing. Um, but it's not until we know the stories of each other that we embrace our humanity. And when I know the stories of my people and my culture, that's when I become human myself. And I think that that is exactly the essence of this little girl in your classroom feeling like, you get me, you know my home now, and I can show you what my home looks like. And that's so powerful. Um, I also have been evaluating my home library too. And I am one of those people who has a um, notes on my phone, and as soon as somebody tells me, oh, you're going to love this book, I always type it into my notes, and somehow it makes its way to my Amazon basket. Um, but this one, I actually have loved this book for a really long time. It's called The Name Jar, and I read it um, when I was teaching as well, but it's so funny because now it resonates in a different way with me with my own children. So this, The Name Jar is about a little girl who comes from Korea, and um, she's worried that people won't pronounce her name correctly. And so she doesn't tell anyone in her class her name. And so they just one of the children comes up with an idea and says, well, why don't we all choose a name for you and you can put it into this name jar. And so everybody decides, oh, you could be called Stephanie or you could be called Amanda, you could be called, and so she tries on all of these different names and nothing really feels right. Um, and, and it's a special, um, one in the book where at the end she really chooses to use and honor her actual Korean name. So my daughter, um, her given name is Persian. Um, my husband is from Iranian background and um, we chose to give our children Persian names. So her name is Nazanin and um, it is a special name. It means sweetheart and she has a lot of pride and joy and she often shares with other people that her name means sweetheart. Um, but her nickname is Nina. And um, my mom kind of gave her that nickname when she was first born, and um, we like it too. And so she's always gone by both names. And so now starting kindergarten, and I always feel like kindergarten is kind of this time where you choose your name, right? So um, she writes both, and she still chooses both. And so often when we go to the park, she'll say, um, 
people will say, well, what's your name? And she'll say, Nazanin, but you can call me Nina. And so we've had this discussion, especially after reading this book lately, you know, what name do you prefer? She says, well, I really love Nazanin because it means sweetheart. And I think that, that it's just something that resonates on, on a level with her. And I'm so proud that this book, uh, you know, from a different background can be that window for her, but also a mirror so that she can, can use it as her, uh, you know, just thinking about how important names are. And I do think that names are very important. And um, we were listening in on a Girl Scout call, and you know, Nazanin had repeated her name several times. And um, one of the adults was like, I'm sorry, what's your name? And she goes, oh, well, you can call me Nina. And she goes, OK, Nina. And, and even though it's easier to do that, I think we need to be really cautious and careful um, in our pronunciation. And remember that names really are special and super important to the person who it belongs to. Um, so while it's easy and nice and fun sometimes to have a nickname, just be a little bit aware of that. For sure. For sure. special. So um, we also have some other books. Share some of your other favorites. We've got stacks of books in front of us. I just ran around my house real quick and went, I love this book and this book and this book and this book. And so we'll definitely post some of them. Um, this one is my favorite for young readers. And so we've always read this as a bedtime story, but it's called 1098 by Molly Bang. And it's a little African-American girl and her dad rocking to sleep. And they count um, objects in her room. And um, one that I often read with my students, especially as they're going into middle school, um, students who have dyslexia is called Fish in a Tree. And this book is such an excellent um, it's a chapter book, and so it's definitely uh, older elementary, probably recommend middle school for it. Uh, but it's about um, the main character has dyslexia, and it's all of the internal feelings that they feel about how frustrating it is to not be able to read and how to hide your secret that you can't read. Um, that's by Linda Mullally Hunt. Uh, Last Stop on Market Street is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, it's a Matt de la Pena and pictures by Christian Robinson and it's a beautiful book about a little boy and his grandmother taking the bus. Um, another one that I actually have read and enjoyed for a while now is called A Bad Case of Stripes by David Shannon and the main character probably can be assumed to be white but she um, really enjoys lima beans but she wants to pretend that she doesn't like lima beans and because she hasn't eaten any lima beans, she starts to develop patterns around her skin. And she changes into art, and it becomes this big distraction. Um, and basically, there's an old woman at the end who comes by and says, I think I know what your secret is, dear. Would you really like some lima beans? And the little girl says, no, 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 I don't like lima beans. She goes, not even one? Are you sure? But really, she wanted a whole bowl of lima beans. And as soon as she eats them, her strikes go away. I think I want to compare to some of these other books to sort of look at. Um, is it a mirror? Is it a is it a window? Yeah, you know, compare great. the representation experience and perspective of the books. Um, another super favorite one that's an oldie but a goodie is um, by Vera E. Williams, The Chair for My Mother. Um, I love that one. It was actually in our basal in my second grade class. Was it? 
it was a good choice. The illustrations are gorgeous. They really are really beautiful. And it's about the family that gets a chair and they save up all of their money in a jar and they get a chair and it becomes a family favorite and lovely. Um, it's a good one for class diversity. This one has really unique illustrations. Todd Parr does really big graphic bright colors with black background. Um, and he has a series of other ones that are, this one I love called Be Who You Are. Um, and he has, I don't remember what the other titles are. Be Who You Are, I Am Me. Um, it doesn't matter what color you are or where you are from or who's in your family, everyone needs to be loved. Always love yourself and be who you are. The end of Todd. That's the final page of the book. You might need to borrow that for a guy. That's awesome. Yes. Oh, I highly recommend it. Um, so y'all know that we live in Atlanta. We live in um, John Lewis's district. And so we've all been... Rest in power. Yeah, rest in power. We've been really mourning um, John Lewis. Uh, so this story is the story of his childhood, and it's called Preaching to the Chickens really beautiful illustrations and um, he you know grew up with sharecroppers and um, so he would always uh, talk to the chickens it's such a unique book I highly recommend it and I think teaching history through picture books can be really powerful it gives you enough background knowledge that then you want to go and learn the history behind it um, I have a book that I would like to give away so we'll be giving this away on social media pretty soon and it is she persisted, 13 American women who changed the world. And it's written by Chelsea Clinton and illustrated by Alexandra Boinger. So if you're still listening with us, you may have a chance to win. She persisted. And some of the people I follow on Instagram, um, the recommend books are The Tutu Teacher, Read Like a Rock Star, Acre for Education, Love Teach Blast, Littles and Lit, Here We Read, We Need Diverse Books, Nouvelle ELA. And then, of course, teaching tolerance mm -hmm. is amazing. And so, based on some of the recommendations, um, I did my own Amazon shopping and I got some really cool new ones. Um, one's called Dreamers by Yui Morales. And um, I have a lot of Spanish speakers at my new private school, so I think they're really going to like this one. And um, I also got my Poppy has a motorcycle. And these were both, it looks like, Pura Belpre Honor Books. So that must be some award, maybe, either for Hispanic literature. I need to look that up to see if that's an award for Hispanic literature or diverse books. Tell me the name of what's the award again? Pura, P-U-R-A-B-E-L-P-R-E, Pura Belpre. They both have that label on it. Um, and then this one, I'm so excited. Um, Almost everybody that I've recommended um, on Instagram has shown this book in the last few months. And so yeah. I was like, I have to buy. It's called Crown and Ode to the Fresh Cut, written by Derek Barnes. And Derek Barnes has a bunch of books that look really, really good. So I want to buy his other ones. Yeah, those are beautiful. Uh, but my students, I think, are going to love this one. Um, and I think anybody will relate to the experience of getting a fresh haircut and how you feel, but then also the African American male experience at a barbershop. I know it's unique. It's not my cultural experience, but I, I can learn this as a win. I can read this book as a window into that experience because I haven't had that barbershop experience. So um, this book looks amazing. And um, Hair Love, and another one that I got last year based on, I think Love Teach Bless, you recommend this one, I Am Enough by Grace Myers. And I did that with um, a guy's lesson. The students loved it. 
So um, read like a rock star. She has also been doing this research for this episode. I found an amazing free resource on Teachers Pay Teachers. So we're going to link to that in our show notes where she um, shares this mirrors of Windows concept. And there's a couple different um, PowerPoint slides yeah. to share with students. And then um, they actually can read a book and reflect on their perspective through picture books. I think this act of reflecting, of actually thinking about it, actually writing it down is so important for students. And I really like, she's got a great graphic organizer that goes with it. Yeah, so they illustrate the part of the story that taught them a lesson that they can use in real life. And then they reflect on if the book was a window or a mirror. And then they made this choice because, and the perspective that they gained was because. And, uh, or what was the perspective they gained from the book. And so um, a lot of teachers do mentor texts where they'll read the same book all week and get different, um, teach different lessons through it. And so you can teach, these are such high quality books that you can use them to teach nouns or to teach verbs or to teach inferencing or to teach characterization or story elements and you can just exactly and then you can just add one extra reading response activity where you're reflecting on this window or mirror concept and it's just another way to bring depth and connection to books um, where you're still teaching the standards but you're just you're actively making it's a little bit more. You were talking about meta. We were talking before the recording about the metacognition and having the students yeah. reflect on um, not only their own learning but their own experience. Right. Exactly. Um, I'm going to pull up that quote because I thought it was so. Great. And while you're pulling it up, I, there was another idea that I saw on social media. This was on just follow teacher Twitter. I mean, that's just sort of the general name for like. You'll see that there's just certain teachers that are really active on Twitter. Um, and there was a discussion about representation in books um, happening in the last few weeks. And one teacher recommended um, she was doing a class representation library inventory audit. And she was going through their class library with the students. And she was asking them three questions. Whose voices do you see? Which voices do you not see? And which voices do you want to see? Oh, I love that. was so powerful. Yeah, I, I actually I really like that set of questioning. The, the one that I was thinking um, was just don't expect kids to do all of this work on their own because shifting ideas and, and reflecting takes a lot of um, modeling and a lot of words. Um, and because building an identity can be a long process. But, um, you know, Howard Gardner uh, is the king of metacognition. And metacognition is a, just remember that it's thinking about your thinking. And um, he is part of the Howard, excuse me, the Harvard Project Zero. Here's a quick question. When do you want your kids, when you want your kids to reflect, have them write, I used to think, but now I think. So just, I used to think, but now I think. And, and that's just a quick exit ticket. Isn't that, isn't that a great way to use metacognition this way? But don't forget that you do need to model it a lot as well. Mm -hmm. And this can start subtly. You can just start privately looking at your own library. Are they missing mirrors? Are they windows? Are they doors? Start bringing in some books uh, from the public library. Start adding to your own. Follow um, the people that we're recommending on social media. Right. And then take steps and watch how your students react as you um, give them more books where they see themselves, and you're going to see really powerful things happen. 
Definitely. I love this topic. I have so many other books um, that I think would be great, but we're going to link all of our articles that we have linked also have book um, lists embedded within them too. So I think that you need to sit down and actually think this through about um, you know what would be important to be reflected in your own library. But just know that there are lots of great resources. And Vera, the Tutu teacher, she actually uh, this is a this isn't a free resource you do have to pay for, it, but it is so worth the price because she's doing the hard work. Is she has a uh, curated diverse reads book list, and she. Um, does not just race diversity, but religion diversity, um, gender diversity, um, LGBTQ books, just every kind of representation you can imagine. She curates and finds great books and then gives ideas about how to use them in the classroom. And then she's also working on a, um, a pairing guide um, to have them aligned to the teaching tolerance standards. And so I look forward to when that's released. So we'll link to those as well. Beautiful. Um, I remember you also showing me a post that had um, the, uh, it was a second grade lesson maybe, and it had lots of um, links on that we were talking about. The unit plan? The unit plan. Oh, the teacher. It was a teacher on Twitter. She was sharing how she had worked on this summer, um, kind of based on all the things going on yep. um, with social justice this summer that she was framing her whole reading curriculum around um, identity and connection and community and bridging yeah, differences. And it was really beautiful. I'll reach out to her and see if she'll let us look her I was going to say, I think that's another good um, thing to do. You know, you notice something on social media or you notice something. Don't hesitate to reach out to that person. A lot of times when people post stuff online, um, they would love to hear some feedback about it. So, you know, if you just have a question, we'll definitely um, reach out to her. But uh, as you're searching, if you find some other right resources, please, by all means, email us and send them our way. Yes, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we want to hear um, how you are doing this with your students and um, sharing books as mirrors and windows and doors. Mm -hmm. And we'll share more as we grow in this area and what we learn yeah. as well. Thanks for joining us. And um, thank you to Jordan Kemper. For, um, for the music that he provides for us and to Alexander Group Creative for um, our artwork. And um, we will see you for our next episode. Thank you.